So today we're having a conversation about menopause, and this has become a consistent topic that we talk about, which is really reflective of how much research is taking place in the space and how many companies are being created to deal with the many, many different aspects of the menopause experience. Yeah. You know what I find most enticing and really alluring uh, to Electra is that they really focus on current research. They break it down so that it's digestible information, not only for practitioners, but also for, you know, lay people. But this is current research that gets put out and they talk about it the minute it comes out hot off the presses. And they said one of your favorite things, which we always reinforce, is just because you have solutions doesn't mean you should totally ignore an interaction or a relationship with a healthcare practitioner. So today, when we speak to Janine Versi from Electra Health, she'll be sharing some of the findings, which are really quite amazing, that they found from doing research about women in perimenopause or menopause um, in the workplace. And there's so many nuggets and so many things to learn. And I think we'll give listeners a lot of ideas for new businesses to rise up to respond to those. No question. In fact, such interesting information and really kind of shocking that it will be presented at our big menopause conference uh, in the fall. Welcome to the business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so excited to have you, Janine, to hear where you've gone, where you're going, and what some of the highlights of the research were. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's um, a pleasure and honor to be um you know, have this distinctive opportunity to to join in Alessandra's footsteps and to give you a bit of an update on Electra. As with Business of the V, lots has changed in, in the past year and all in a really positive direction. Um, we often say this zeitgeist around women's health and particularly in menopause is really underway. And I think we're seeing that play out in, in the press, in the kind of the public square. Um, and, you know, we appreciate advocates like you both. Um, so thank you for giving me the opportunity. We're so excited. We use the expression women's health and overnight sensation centuries in the making. You know, so for the people who haven't been in this space <laughs> as long as the three of us, it looks like, oh my God, we're having this discussion that no one else on earth has ever had before. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be part of Electra Health and what your role specifically is. Sure. Well, I am um, probably this starts with uh, me being the eldest of three daughters uh, with two physician parents. In particular, my father is a urogynecologist. So he retired out of obstetrics into urogynecology. And so growing up, our dinner table was um, very much a place where it was, you know, vaginas and vulvas and um, conversations about a lot of menopausal issues. And I didn't think decades on that we would come full circle, but here we are. Um, 
my career in the interim spanned the technology. I was at Google uh, a dozen years ago, you know, before there was Instagram, before there was TikTok um, and kind of the early internet days. And then um, in the Obama administration. So I did some public policy work and uh, coming out of Harvard Business School, I was really interested in this intersection of healthcare and tech. And it brought me to New York. I've worked in mental health. And then I worked um, at a company called City Block Health, which is now a well-known unicorn in the space of really Medicaid-focused innovation for complex medical and social needs. But what was happening simultaneously at this time was a lot of really interesting work in women's health, new companies popping up, but they really seemed dedicated to the fertility and pregnancy-related needs and conditions, which obviously remain um, incredibly important, but it, it did highlight this gap for women who have moved through their reproductive years and so few innovative services were there to take care of them. Um, and so that's where Alessandra and I paired up. We were introduced by a friend and now investor, along with our founding physician, Dr. Anna Barbieri, a gynecologist at Mount Sinai. And so we've building, uh, we've been building Electra ever since. It's uh, three plus years in the making. Amazing. I have a question because, you know, right now we talk about how not user-friendly the experience of healthcare is for patients, okay? And women surely are the entryway into healthcare. So if their experience isn't great, you know, imagine that their families and their spouses and their partners also uh, are going to have to be managed. How is Electra helping to navigate that difficult path? Yeah, great question. Um, I will start by saying that most of our members at Electra are women who are in early perimenopause or various stages of, of perimenopause, or they're often recently postmenopausal. But we do see women and those experiencing the symptoms of menopause across the lifespan, whether that's early menopause or menopausal symptoms due to medication, um, oftentimes treatment for cancer um, or surgical menopause. And so we see folks from various different ages and backgrounds um, and all of them have in common, uh, unfortunately, pretty mediocre experiences with the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And part of what we do with our team of guides, and these are healthcare professionals, they're nurses, they're NPs. Um, we also have a doula on our team, and she's obviously really expert in um, postpartum care, but often where postpartum and perimenopause intersect is a really interesting space. It's very complicated and not a lot is said about that. And so this team of experts has really seen the gamut in addition to our physicians. Um, and we provide both education directly to them to help them manage their symptoms, understand their options for treatment, but also to navigate the healthcare system. So it may be helping to prepare them for a visit with their internist, with their gynecologist, or maybe they don't have one and they want some tips on how to find men competent menopause care. Um, Electra also does provide telemedicine care in certain states, but what we found is the bigger opportunity, honestly, is helping women navigate these many years as their trusted partner, and then we can help direct them to the right care. So are you providing in-person patient visits for these women and telehealth if necessary and in the right state? Yeah, great question. So to clarify, fully virtual 
we do not take care of folks in person. And um, so we've built this full stack digital platform that combines curated education, um, access to expertise with our guides and community. And then in certain states, patients can take advantage of telemedicine directly with Electra. Um, But we often find in this pandemic era, people have moved around so much and they may be, you know, originally based in New York, but now they need some help because they moved to Michigan. And how do I find a great provider for menopause out there? Um, And the only other point I was actually going to make, Alyssa, when you were talking about women who control so many of the healthcare decisions, I think the number is often, you know, 80% of healthcare dollars. that these are often the daughters that are helping their parents navigate Medicare and Medicare Advantage decisions. And so as we talk to health plans who are increasingly interested in menopause, um, they're starting to understand if you can support these women in their time of need, and they are also this incredibly powerful demographic, you can often influence decisions, loyalty, and retention across other parts of your um your health plan business. Yeah. It's so interesting. Again, going back to your first comments, Janine, this is not a new phenomenon that women are controlling um, the majority of the spending. It's a confluence of factors, which I'm sure we could talk about for hours, that got us to this point where menopause is part of our common discussion. So one of the things that being in the business you are in allows you to do is gather an incredible amount of data, both qualitative and quantitative. And Electra undertook a a fairly significant study um, to demonstrate some trends regarding or to understand trends regarding menopause in the workplace. Tell us about how the research was designed, how many people were involved and and what are we learning? Yep, absolutely. We have often said, I'm sure Alessandra said this, you know, a year ago or more, um, that there is a lack of data in this space. And we all know that if you can't measure it, it's often, you know, regarded as irrelevant um, or not a problem. And that's certainly not the case here. But um, to help contribute to closing the research gap, we did um, undertake some third-party research with um, a well-known firm. This is their expertise and collected from over 2,000 working professionals in the U.S., ages 40 to 55 and cutting across racial and ethnic groups, um, input on a number of questions around their menopause experience um, and particularly what they would like to see from employers, if anything, and health plans and the provider systems. Um, So we had an inkling of what we would find because there have been some studies coming out of the UK, which are similar to what we see in the US. But I think some of the more surprising and troubling statistics are that one out of five women has considered leaving her job because of menopause in the U.S. Um, And, you know, at at a time when so much is happening in women's health and um, employers, stakeholders and really society writ large needs to be paying attention to how we care for women across the lifespan Um, it is even more important that we pay attention to statistics like this. So I can offer a few more um, if that's helpful. Well, I want to ask Dr. Dweck how common this is, how you're obviously, you've said this a number of times, your practice is aging as you gracefully are getting older as well. Are you hearing these kind of comments from your patients who are in the workforce, who are in this stage of life? 20% 
is a huge number. <laughs> that one in five people in the workforce and assume because they're older, perhaps, that they're at the peak of their career, their peak of their wisdom, their peak at their ability to contribute. What are you hearing in your office? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I get a skewed population because the people who are having problems navigating their workday because they're physically or emotionally uncomfortable or lacking sleep due to their menopausal symptoms, you know, obviously, they're in my office desperate for solutions. And we have plenty of offerings uh, these days, which I think is great. I will say that many of my very, you know, high C-suite type uh, professional women, um, I would say it's kind of half and half. Some complain, but the suck it up attitude. And if I want to be, you know, considered gender equal to my male counterparts, I just have to deal with these symptoms. So make me better. And I need to just go full steam ahead. So I'm still seeing a little bit of a dichotomy with people who really want help and support and solutions or just to quit altogether. And those who have kind of been brought up with the suck it up attitude and they're willing to take whatever measures they have to in order to fulfill their responsibilities and remain at the top of their games. So I think that this is still an ever evolving situation. Um, and I'm curious if you got that suck it up type of uh, mentality as part of the question answers that you saw in your survey? I think so. It's, I think there is a fear of pathologizing menopause in addition to all of the other areas where women feel they have to counter uh, stigma and bias. And so they may not be in a rush to add to that list. Um, but at the same time, when you start to peel back the onion and ask folks specifically about their symptoms and how it impacts their productivity, that is a pretty revealing set of answers. So, um, and especially I would say where it intersects with what we think of as mental and behavioral health. So 42% of women report not having enough mental health support to deal with menopause. And I think as a, as a sort of working society, we've come to understand that mental health is necessary and support for mental health is necessary for productive employees. And so it's just a small jump to, you know, come to appreciate the specific nuances around mental health during the menopause transition. Um, and as many as 18% report missing four or more days of work due to symptoms. And so, from what I understand, they use totally different excuses than what's really uh, plaguing them. My question for you also is, do you think any of the responses were really colored by the pandemic? Because after all, uh, you know, many people were working from home. Some people, you know, may have been uh, having more symptoms of mental anguish, particularly due to what was going on uh, universally. Did, was that taken into account with your study? Yes, 54% the reported that the pandemic affected their menopause experience yeah. uh, negatively. And I will say that there were commentary and there was commentary around having flexibility to work from home so that, you know, you could manage your own day and your own physical um, environment. Um, and so there is a benefit to that. And a lot of what we do when we talk to employers um, and help them with trainings and ways to support their employees navigating menopause is really this discussion around what does workplace flexibility look like and how do you um, encourage that in a way that is really inclusive and supportive as opposed to being, you know, 
uh, a, a way to make a specific group of people feel um, singled out. But I, you know, I think these things require sensitivity and thoughtfulness. But um, we've seen companies do this kind of thing well. And again, I would point to the UK where there's been several years of menopause policies and programs in place and really only to the benefit of retaining women in the workforce, especially the leadership, which is what we really need to have uh, to continue that legacy for younger generations of women. Well, look, I think the UK also had a real impetus to do this because of their shortages of HRT or hormone replacement therapy. So, you know, the suffering went above and beyond what it should if if women wanted to be treated and were candidates for that. Here's today's hot flash. As of 2020, most employers had wellness programs of some kind, including 53% of small firms, those with three to 200 employees, and 81% of large companies. So there was an economic push, which is great. It's still okay to to make progress, even if it's not from a pure, totally pure perspective. (laughs) What I'm curious about is two things. It sounds like you now offer these services where you're, you're training workplaces to be more accommodating. So I want to hear about that. Sounds like a new revenue stream. And also in the context of that, are you, you must be offering, I imagine, practical solutions. What are some of the easy things that employers can just pick off the top and start making their work environment more accommodating to women in this stage of life? Yeah, well, it definitely starts with knowledge. So oftentimes we uh, receive an email from someone who is ready to have this conversation either within their ERG or employee resource group um, or in a, you know, a subset of their um, sort of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging um, initiatives at work. And so that's often an entry point for just getting to know the space. We bring our clinical experts in to provide education, and it often sparks great conversation. So I think it really starts with a willingness on behalf of the employer to create a safe and open space for that dialogue. And that's where we recommend everybody starts. And Electra can help to facilitate that and provide educational resources. And then for those who would like to actually offer more support. Um, We have a platform, full stack digital platform that I mentioned earlier, where um, employers are taking advantage of that as a benefit to offer to their employees, sitting alongside other benefits that are, you know, perhaps um, have been around longer for mental or behavioral health um, or fertility or pregnancy or family planning or return to work. Um, Those employees tend to be the ones who say, hold on a second, I had some access to something in, you know, the last few years when I was navigating uh, maybe pregnancy and postpartum. And now I feel like I'm going through another set of issues and it's really crickets. And um, I feel like I actually deserve better than that. And so women are themselves speaking up and out. And we very much encourage that and have a toolkit to bring to bear that includes education, dialogue, and then access to our services, um, which is really, you know, uh, what we call our menopause doula and um, a, a safe place for community. Well, I've seen such progress because I have actually witnessed wellness officers for women's health in huge corporations um, 
you know, and I think that's beneficial for everybody. So I'd be interested. You're right. But, and you know, I didn't sort of specify this, but having a champion is incredibly important and having that be someone that's, you know, separate and apart from the reporting structure. Um, I think we're seeing this increasingly in organizations, but, um, certainly, you know, there are ones that are more forward leaning and, and actually I would say it's not necessarily the ones that are run by women. There are organizations, it doesn't have to be, um, female leadership at the top that encourages this. Um, we see, you know, the importance of involving allies and everybody has a loved one affected by menopause. You do not have to be in that particular time of life yourself in order to make a difference, um, in this space. I'm curious now with menopause really being so on the map and a little less uh, distressing for people to speak about. And I know your uh, adage was always, you know, smash the taboo of menopause. Um, How is Electra? I mean, I know how, but please explain to our audience (laughs) how Electra is distinguished from some of these other platforms, some of which might be just providing more patient care. Some I I, I would like to hear uh, how you're really distinguished in that marketplace. Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, it's exciting to see more and more organizations joining the space. Uh, We really believe that this rising tide benefits everybody. um, And this is a massive space. I mean, the universality of this experience um, can't really be understated. And so where Electra focuses is really on this um, continuity of what I will call expertise and care. So we bring together education, care, and community in partnership with women over the course of their journey to help them understand how to navigate, where to get solutions, and how to understand what their options are for symptoms, as well as how to live well beyond menopause. So bringing all of that together includes evidence-based education, um, content that's vetted by our clinical teams, um, who are, I have to brag for a second, some of truly some of the best researchers in menopause medicine um, that we're deeply lucky to work with. Um, and where, um, you know, oftentimes we find women needing help and support understanding which specialists to see because they might experience palpitations and think that they're having a heart attack. They might experience brain fog and fear something, you know, terrible is going on and, and you know, want to go and get a EKG or something. Um, so that navigation becomes really important as a trusted partner. And we're not selling products. So we're not selling medication directly. Um, right. And that means that we, uh, you know, in some ways are free from bias around the products that we recommend. It's really just based on the individual needs of that member and what is appropriate and right for her. Um so, you know, and there are a number, there are supplements, there are um, sort of the aesthetic health and beauty yeah. companies. Uh, and are and you recommending categories of care? Like, will you say you need these kinds of supplements or you should buy supplements that are made by this company because they have the evidence that that is supportive of your clinical approach? We, so we will do both in the sense that we will um, recommend brands that we think are, you know, have a high standard of research and safety, but we will always advise individuals to connect with their provider for a really thorough conversation around 
both supplement supplements and medication, because I think oftentimes people say they would like a natural solution, um, but don't always register that some supplements can interact and can be harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but we don't, it's not that we actually have a financial relationship with any of these products companies. And so that allows us a degree of independence in the recommendations we make. One of the things that's been so exciting being part of this space and watching it develop is you had shared a statistic early on that in your study, women missed on average four days yep. of work. Yep. One of the things that's becoming, I think, helping to drive this groundswell is that if you can get them back in work for those four days, think about the bump in productivity. If you can provide an environment where they're more comfortable, whatever that means, emotionally, physically, um, intellectually, think about how your search costs will be reduced. So one of the ways that I think this whole universe, this ecosystem has helped itself is not just to focus on the incredible statistics that 1.1 billion women will be in menopause by 2025 because you get the pushback, well, it's not life-threatening and, you know, there's so many other things you could be spending on. But the truth is the total economic burden to companies is much, much more significant when you look at the quality of life and the behavior of employees. And we see that companies in the maternity, fertility, the IVF, egg freezing space are seeing those other benefits, not just reducing the cost and increasing the outcome of successful families, however people um, get there, but increased retention. Uh, Yeah. And we're scratching the surface, right? So people are still getting their arms around this. They're still getting comfortable. But I think the more folks hear others speak up, speak out, normalize the conversation, um, the, you know, the benefits redound to all of us, not just the women in question, but I think those that are coming behind them, um, as well as their non-female counterparts, because at the end of the day, we all are navigating, especially in an era of a pandemic, you know, health and wellness concerns that pervade our work. And so that sensitivity and accommodation at work is really essential for all of us. I'm curious if you have a resource list of, you know, reading material that's sort of your go-to in, you know, in an effort to educate your members, other than just meeting with the doula and the, you know, clinician, um, what do you normally recommend? Yeah, well, we have our um, Menopause 101. We have a lot of content on our website that we actually work really hard to keep up to date. Um, so I would definitely recommend everyone visit electrahealth.com. Um, and then within our platform, we have, you know, additional layers of sort of curation and detail. Um But we, uh, I mean, there are authors like yourself, Dr. Dweck. Um, There's a lot of really amazing um, work and research coming out. And what we try to do, the role we try to play is also to invite others in the space to demystify what the latest and greatest research is on various topics. And there is... There is great research on women's health and menopause. It often just doesn't get highlighted in the way that it should. And so we spend a lot of time sort of surfacing and providing a, an interpretation that is more accessible rather yeah. than trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I love that because I read your newsletter, of course, and uh, I'm always amazed at the um, current status of the research that you do present and that 
it's not just a little teeny snippet that somebody may hear on the news or read in the newspaper, but it does go into a little bit more detail. So uh, there's a little more transparency. But, you know, for all of those who complain about not enough research being done in women's health, I think this is uh, really showing that that's changing. We are going to be at the North American Menopause Society uh, annual conference this year. We have an abstract that is related to um, and a poster presentation. You know, so for those who don't know, it's really distilling some of this research down. And we're all we always come away incredibly inspired by the other academics and researchers that are dedicated to this space. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure there will be lots more in October when that conference takes place. And so building businesses in this space is is hard it's energizing it's exciting it's exhausting and one of the things that we experience um Alyssa from her patients and me from the businesses that I work with is you get those testimonials or those expressions from users who you know reinforce for you that you're on the right track share a testimonial or two that you know makes it so easy to run into work in the morning because you're really aware of how big an impact this is making? This is an incredible question. Thank you for asking it. I I have two thoughts. One is that I was on the phone today with a health plan executive and I was sort of girding myself for what you mentioned, you know, this like, oh, well, menopause, it's, it's not life-threatening, you know, maybe feels more like a cost center. And this health plan executive who remained unnamed um, said, I felt like I was losing my mind when I went through menopause and HRT saved my life. And I almost fell off my chair because she said it in a meeting with the CEO of a health plan and about a dozen other senior folks. And I thought, bravo, um, you know, that was an incredible, inspiring moment. And it just happened, you know, whenever the day started seven hours ago um, or longer, actually, um, and then in terms of our members, we we do uh, take down testimonials. So one that I, I um, picked out today, actually, uh, from one of our guides was, and this was written, um, the electric platform is an affirmation of what I'm experiencing, that there is a biological basis for what's going on in my body, and there are ways I can work to address it. It normalizes the experience and uses research-based practices to explore how to go about dealing with this instead of suffering in silence. So I want to hire this person to work on uh, marketing for Electra, but um, she's actually a, a bona fide um, a member of our platform. Oh, great. Yeah, that's uh, really nice to hear. So anything exciting coming down the pike for Electra? There's always exciting things in the works. Um, certainly, you know, the research plan for October, which as my amazing co-founder calls our Super Bowl month, because that is World Menopause Day and has become World Menopause Month. Um, so there's lots of, you know, plans going on there and some exciting partnerships that we'll be um, thrilled to kind of reveal in due time. But I would just say that uh, it really feels, having been in the space for a number of years now, that the momentum and the energy is really picking up, and um, I'm I'm hopeful and really thrilled to see because it means that more and more women will have access to education and information and have better quality of life. That's why we're all here and doing what we do. So, I'm you're catching me on a particularly inspired day with those quotes. Well, we are so excited about the progress that you're making and the research that you're bringing into the world uh, and really doing 
a huge part to make sure that this conversation uh, becomes normalized. You know, we're hoping before, I don't know, the end of time that we don't have to use the word taboo anymore to describe menopause or many other things in uh, women's health. So keep doing what you're doing. We'll be watching. Thank you. And you too. I'll be listening. Thank you so much. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business. 